Rebecca Pete and I'm Rebecca Cochran and, and welcome, welcome to, to Woven, Woven where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention and our prayer is that to paraphrase Mary Zimmer the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance thanks, thanks for listening Hello, welcome back to episode five. Um, we are really excited. We're going, so if you tuned in for episodes three and four, we had uh, Dr. Angela Schaffner on talking about our bodies and body image. And this is all part of our bigger first series, which delves into our souls in their entirety, which includes our bodies, our minds and emotions, and our spirits. So we're now going to get into our minds and emotions. So today, Rebecca and I are going to go into that, and then we're going to have a wonderful guest on. We will keep you in suspense about that for another week, um, who is a therapist. Okay, I won't keep you in suspense. It's Sarah Collier. She's wonderful. <laughs> um, she is a friend of mine from a mom's group at our church, and she's also a professional mental health therapist and a very wise woman. So I'm excited to have her on to kind of go into more of the uh, counseling technical side of this. But today we're going to get into some background on just the question of what is our mind? What are our emotions? I think, um, you know, particularly culturally now in our society, those terms are a little confusing. Yeah. I think um, my perception is we're very driven by our feelings um, mm -hmm. in our society. Do what feels right to you. All yeah. of these things, which are not really scriptural ideas. Um mm -hmm. So we kind of wanted to get into, I guess we'll start with, let's define them. What is okay. our mind and what is our emotion? Well, so that's interesting because there, there actually isn't a lot in scripture, scripturally about your emotions. So okay. scripture mostly talks about um, our minds in that, actually in the Old Testament, there is no word for mind. So there's really? no, there's no So Hebrew what do they word. say? They use heart. So culturally, when you when you think of the word heart, if you're just on the street asking people what the word heart is, their first thought is feelings and emotions. But actually, scripturally, that's not true. Um, huh. In Hebrew, the word for heart is refers to the mind and the whole the whole of the mind, not just your intellect. Obviously, that's not the same as the heart, but everything about you is your heart and your mind. Now we get the word mind in Greek. It comes in the New Testament because Greek is the language used in the New Testament. Wait, and so Old Testament's Hebrew. Old Testament's written okay, in Hebrew. Okay. Okay. Old Testament's written entirely. Entirely in Hebrew. Okay. And then the New Testament's written entirely. Is that something I should have known? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, we're not listening to you anymore. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> no, only language dorks like me know that. Okay. <laughs> So no, and so the whole New Testament is written in Greek outside of a few Aramaic words that Jesus says, Jesus says, and there's some Aramaic words in there, um, and like when he's dying on the cross and things like that. He says words in Aramaic, but mostly it's all written in Greek. And so the the ancient Greek word for mind is nous, um, so like your consciousness. That's, ah, the okay. that's where the okay. Greek word comes from, and that's where we start to get this separation. Um, and I'm not talking about separation scripturally, but just separation language wise between the mind and the heart. But the heart is not a feeling or emotion. It's more of your, in the New Testament, it's more of your will, your choices, your desires. The core of who you are is your heart. And then mm -hmm. your mind is separated into two parts. The conscious, which is your intellect your reasoning, you know, that part of you that has those conscious thoughts. Yes. And and when you're like studying for a test, that you're using your conscious part of your brain. Uh -huh. And then there's the unconscious part 
of your mind, but those are both your mind and your unconscious part is your beliefs, your attitudes, your emotions, your feelings. Yeah. I was going to say, because our feelings a lot of times are unconscious, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of times they're out, we, we can become conscious of them and then we use the yeah. conscious part of our brain to like assess our emotions and feelings, but those are all part of our mind. So we're talking about integration. If we're talking about integration, we need to, to see that our feelings and our emotions are linked. They're all our mind. Hmm. So I think we like to separate them and say our mind is the smart intellectual part of us, the yeah. thing that has reasoning capabilities and is, has higher thinking. And then there's our feelings and our emotions and they're lower. Mm-hmm. And they are, they're more like uh, animal visceral. Exactly. And, and there, it is the unconscious part of us, but they're both a part of our mind and they both have to be integrated. Okay. But here's my question. So, but then it gets into that question. I think the, the reason people or the reason I separate those things is there are a lot of things I know in my head that I don't necessarily believe in the core of who I am. So for example, like if I'm having a bad day and I don't believe that I'm like enough, like Angela was talking about that in our last episode, that's a really common lie. A lot of us believe that we're not enough and we have to strive to be whatever it is we think we need to be. So if I, in my head, I can be like, Rebecca, you're enough, you're enough, you're enough. But I won't believe it deeply in the core of who I am. Okay, so you're you're interchanging the heart and the emotions. Ah. And that those are two separate okay. things. And so scripturally, the word that's usually used for emotions, and it's not used very often, but emotions and feelings is more of gut. Okay. So that the word that we get for gut is the is the word in scripture for emotions. And so there I think our, the problem comes in when we think our emotions are the core of who we are. The emotions aren't the core of who we are. Our heart is the core of who we are. I'm a four on the Enneagram, and let me just tell you, (laughs) (laughs) the emotions are sometimes, a lot of times, all the time, the core of who I am. Which, okay, side note, side note. We talk about the Enneagram a lot. I have gotten some feedback that people don't know what that is. Would you guys reach out to us? Tell us if you want us to do an episode on this. This is a tangent, but... There are a lot of people in our little bubble who have done episodes on this and have talked about it, like, I feel like to death. And so we've avoided it. But mm-hmm. if you're interested in it, please reach out and let us know. And if if someone is, we'll do an episode. Yeah. Um, if not, just know that I'm a dramatic artist type and that's all you need to know. And so I'm like, oh, my feelings. But um, And yeah. I'm the opposite. So, know, so, <laughs> so yeah, let, ha, let us know if you're interested in an Enneagram episode. But anyway, back to okay. the so, so the heart is the core of who we are. That's what's connect. That's what we're, the heart of worship, where the song came from. That's yes, the heart. The heart is how is how we connect with God. That's the the seat of our choices, our will, our desires. All of that thing is in our heart. Our our mind, which you were separating your your brain and your emotions, but uh-huh. the mind covers all of that. Okay, so emotions are are a subconscious part of you, but they're still in your mind. So would you say our emotions are our subconscious and our, our brain or our mind or not our mind, but our brain is the conscious part. So we need to get what is conscious into our subconscious, which yes. means it has taken root. Yes. Would you say that's true? I would say that's correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. I think, I think we just need to be real clear about the terms because yeah. when we, because it's confusing because what's in scripture versus what's um, culturally um, recognized are two different things. And so I think it's, um, important. And, and Jesus, I mean, it was just interesting. We were remarking and talking about it before our, um, before we, we turned on the microphone, we were talking about the scripture in Deuteronomy. Um, it's a very, um, popular scripture. You know, it's, it's what most, um, Jewish people can recite from heart and they, they put it on a lot of things. It's one thing they say it multiple times a day. Um, 
And I hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And they do not, Jesus adds later when he says um, that's the greatest command, one of the greatest commandments, then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. But before that, he says, love the Lord your God. And he says heart, soul, and strength, might, but he also adds the mind. And so fascinating. Yeah. So, so because in Hebrew, they would have known that the mind was a part of the soul and the heart, but in the Greek language, there was a separation. So he had to add that in so that the people he was speaking to would understand that 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 when we love God, it should include all of us. And that's why we talk about integration. I mean, that's the perfect segue into integration is if we want to love God with all of who we are and love others with all of who we are, that includes our mind, our will, our emotions, our heart, our strength, all those things. And that's why we're doing these episodes. But I I think we just need to be real careful of saying, well, the, the emotions is this inner part of me. And then my mind is this other part of me and they need to be separated and they're not separated. They just need to coexist better. Well, and I think it's true you know, I've, so I, I mentioned in an earlier episode, I have OCD and, um, through therapy and things, I learned that I can't change my feelings, but I can change my thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, it's not that thing where you can be like, don't think about a white elephant, but it's, (laughs) you can choose what your mind dwells on. Take your thoughts captive to Christ. That has proven to be very true over, you know, my whole like healing process. And so I think, we can direct our mind, but I guess because our emotions are unconscious, yeah. we can't really direct those. And so I think maybe, how would you view that? Like the mind is sort of the, maybe the mind is the wheel and it steers the car of our emotions. Would you say that is true? Like I'm trying to think of an example that would make this make sense. Yeah, I think that I think that would be an okay analogy. I mean, like, at least in that in a healthy whole person, that should be the right, case. Right, right, right. Um, I think that um, I, I think that the, once again, we're talking about balance. So there always has to be balance. We can't ever elevate the emotions over so the subconscious part of us over the conscious, and vice versa. Um, and then putting our intellect over our emotions, there should be a balance there, and that's what we're trying to get at. And so I, while I get what you're saying and what people are saying about allowing our thoughts to um, drive us instead of our emotions driving us. I, I don't want to get too, the problem with that is then you get too much into your thoughts mm-hmm. and then push away your feelings. And so I, I don't know a hundred percent about that analogy because you don't want to be completely driven by your intellect. Well, this sounds like a good time for you to talk about. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Rebecca talked about her struggle with OCD and how, how she, um, I'm driven by my feelings. You're constantly. driven by your feelings constantly. And so for me, I'm the opposite. So I'm driven by my intellect. Mm-hmm. And so, so God desires that our hearts are, our hearts, which are our wills are connected to his. There's plenty in scripture about how our wills are supposed to align with his. And that's pretty much our hearts being in line with his heart. His choices, his will, our choices, our will should yeah. be the same. And so if that's the case and our hearts and our wills are what's supposed to direct our minds and our bodies. So our mind's not supposed to drive us. Our bodies aren't supposed to drive us. Our heart, if it's aligned with God's, then it should drive. Or if it's not, it will still drive you. Our heart, the core of who we are and our wills and choices and desires that's what drives us and then causes our minds and our bodies to operate the way they do. So if we're 
if we're in line with God and his heart and his will, and that is directing our mind and our bodies, then we'll be able to think and feel um, in a way that's directed by God and obviously would be balanced. Problem with me and my struggle has always been that I live the reverse of this. So, so I've, what does that look like? I've allowed my mind and my intellect to be in charge instead of my heart. So I've elevated, at least in the past, before a lot of growth processes, and it's still a struggle because we talked about last week the slinky analogy. Yes. We're yes. constantly in a growth pattern, right? But I've always put my mind and my intellect in a much higher spot or on a much higher um, stratosphere than yeah. the rest of than than my heart or my emotions. And so I've always my natural bent is to live out of my conscious thought, which means I overthink things and I put feelings in a box because I think they're not important or I don't want to deal with them. And that's where my yes. greatness comes in coming into the Enneagram is I don't want to deal with my emotions. And it's not just I don't want to deal with them because I'm scared of them. It's just I don't think they're important. So my natural bent is just to put all feelings, emotions away. And same thing with the heart. Like, that's still too touchy-feely for me. Well, and I have to say, like, as somebody, you know, so I think, like, when you see that you have a problem with something, our tendency is to get rid of it. So yes. I think when I realized how how much emotions drive me, yeah. for a while, I was just like, screw them. I don't need them. You yeah. know, right? Like, so I went the whole other direction. Sorry, I said screw them. I need to get better. Um, so... <laughs> I went the whole other direction where it was just like, no, I'm just going to like, you know, they can be over there and I'm just going to, I tried to live this very like sanitized, like what would Jesus do? Okay. I'm going to, and it was like, I wasn't even there sometimes. I was trying so hard to be like, does that make sense? Like I was trying to be kind of like, well, follow a pattern or follow like a thing with no heart in it because it just felt safer because my emotions were so like out of well, control. So the, the first two things that struck me of what you just said, first off is that you're still putting the hearts and the emotions as the same thing, or at least at oh, the time right, you were right. doing the same uh -huh. thing. And secondly, what, then what would Jesus do thing? And I know you're trying to make it into this pattern instead of the heart, but like what, what Jesus would do would be the heart and the desire and the will. And out of that would live your mind, which includes your emotions and then your body and how you treat your body and how your body works because all of this is integrated, right? So if our hearts and our minds aren't in the right place, because our hearts is the seat of our desires and our will and our choices. So if it, if they're not healthy, if our heart's not healthy and it's not aligned with God, what's going to happen with our body? Well, we're pretty much going to allow our body to take over. Well, what happens with our body? And we can, another time we can talk about the flesh, but our body without it being driven by the heart of God. Our, there's nothing wrong with our bodies. They're beautiful and wonderful and created by God. But if they're not used by God because our heart... Well, they have a driver always. They have a driver always. So if it's not being driven by heart for God, it's, then yeah. then we're going to... The body part of it is is that we're gonna, going to fall to our uh, bane um, desires, which, you know, yeah. look like all kinds of addictions and, and abuse of our bodies in whatever ways. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with the mind. So if we, if our hearts aren't driven and our desires, our choices and our will aren't driven by the things of God and a heart that's abiding in him and connecting to him, then our mind's not going to think on the right things, which also includes our emotions. So then we're going to be emotionally unhealthy as well yeah. because the emotions are a part of our mind, even though it's separated from our intellect, you know? This is a lot. I know. This can be very confusing. So, I mean, okay, so I think for the person who's listening who's like, okay, they're separate. But say, I think a lot of people, we see the minute we start to pray, 
that our desires probably don't line up with God's. Of course. Most yes. of us. Yes. Are, I mean, unless we're like super spiritual, which none of us really are. So if we're really honest with ourselves, we're like, we're pretty selfish. Yeah. Our hearts are all pretty screwed up. I mean, that's, yes. that's scriptural. What yes. Is, like the heart is deceitful above, above all, all things. things. Yeah. Yes. Like, so, so if, if Jesus tells us our heart is deceitful above all things, Actually, he didn't say that. Okay, it's Old Testament. Testament. It's Old, Old Testament. Testament. Okay. Yeah. So, and and he ought, he tells us he gives us a new heart. Okay. So we still have the struggles of sin that has corrupted our hearts and our minds and our bodies, but we have a new heart. So if you are a Christian, you've trusted in Jesus. You have a new heart. He is giving you a new heart, and so you do have the ability. Now you're not perfect every time. We'll never be perfect this yeah. side of heaven. But but the more we lean into that and abide in Him, and this is all about abiding, then our hearts and our wills can match His more and more as the days go on. If we're doing that, and then our mind and our emotions and our body can follow that. But yes, we're not perfect all the time, and and we often our desires don't line up with His. Um, but they can get closer yeah. as we grow spiritually. So what was your question about the person that who's, who's listening? Well, and- just, so, I mean, I guess it's the question I had a few years ago when I was like seeing how corrupt everything was inside of me, but not really knowing how to move forward in that because you can kind of move forward in what I described as kind of like a sanitized way where yes. it's like, I'll just take, get rid of all that stuff. That's not good. Yeah. But I get, and I mean, I'm so glad we're having Sarah on because she can probably speak to this more than we can. Disclaimer, we're not mental health professionals. We're just people with brains and hearts and emotions. So there's yeah. that. But um, I guess I just, one of the things I wonder a lot being a feelings driven person is how, how do we get our hearts to align with God's in a way that is healthy? Okay, so you referenced the scripture earlier about taking your thoughts captive. Yes. And um, which, for the for reference, is 2 Corinthians 10.5. Um, and so if you're taking your heart, thoughts captive, and I think we like to use that sometimes. Of we use, I think we use that scripture out of context. So we, we like to use that as, well, I need to get my emotions under control. Mm-hmm. And the way to get my emotions under control is to take my thoughts captive. And if I have the right thoughts, then I won't have to deal with my, or not that I want to deal, I'll have the right emotions. Not yeah, that I yeah. To deal with. What actually that scripture is talking about is it, it's talking about taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ. And the, the point of that is that so that our minds are thinking on the things of Christ. Because our, our minds, not just like our hearts are broken, our minds are broken by sin too. And we can't trust what we think, which you talked about earlier. Yeah. But the point of that scripture isn't to use our mind to control our emotions. Oh, the point of that scripture, and it's used wrongly, I believe. Other people can disagree with me if they like. But I think that is used out of context in that way. The point of that scripture is to take the, the, the broken part of our mind that thinks wrong thoughts and and exchanges them if you read the rest of that passage and then it talks about what we're supposed to ex- exchange those all those wrong thoughts with pure right thoughts pure whatever is no yes. whatever is right whatever is good that's taking every thought ca- captive so it's taking a thought that is not of god and changing to a thought that is of god and then out of that will flow healthy emotions the point of that isn't to take every thought captive so you can squash those emotions and not have those feelings and emotions or be in charge over those emotions. The point of that scripture is to change your thought patterns. Yeah. And if you have proper thought matter patterns out of that will be proper emotional patterns. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I guess it goes back to like who is elevated most in your life. Is it Jesus or is it yourself? Yeah. Because I think culturally, I mean, we're all about follow your heart. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? What's your truth? Mm -hmm. You know, all of these things that are just, you know, a recipe for disaster, really. If you, I mean, yeah, I have friends who have followed their truth into a lot of terrible places. <laughs> and it's not, like, it, it's awful, like, not to laugh, but just to yeah. say, like, yeah, no, like, we, but, but at the same time, so it's like, there's this, this feeling, like, I can't really be trusted on my own, right? Yes, like, we have correct. to be connected to the true vine. We are a branch. Yes. A branch is not self-sustaining. Yes. So. Yeah, the only vine is Jesus. Scripture right. doesn't talk about any other vines that Jesus, and then we're the branches that come from the, the vine. Yeah. So I just, I guess I see, like, this big danger in kind of thinking that way. Well, I think it's fine to talk, because God did, did give us a heart that, that beats, and I'm not talking about your physical heart that beats, I'm talking metaphorically, that beats with desires and choices, and those in and of themselves aren't bad. I mean, mm-hmm. he's created each one of us differently with different choices, with different desires and different wills, different dreams. That's the core of who we are and we're all different, but, and we're all beautifully made. It, the, the question, those, it's just, those need to line up with God. That doesn't mean we're all going to be like cookie cutter robots all aligned with the exact same things of God. God is so much bigger and outside of the box than us that his heart can mean a lot of things. Yeah. And so, so I think that we can follow our heart and follow our truth as long as those hearts and those truths are aligned with God's and abiding in God's. Does that make sense? So yes. he, he gives us a heart to follow and truths to follow that are specific to us because he loves us and he created us. And they look different. Mine looks different than yours. Yeah. And we can have different hearts and different truths and different desires and wills and choices and still be aligned with God. So yeah. I think we have to be careful about that, too. Um, once again, it's balance. Yeah. You can follow your heart as long as your heart is following after God. Yeah. And I think that's like we get really uncomfortable yeah. with that because we see people doing things we wouldn't necessarily do. or. Yeah who are also Christian. Yes. And then we get kind of like, it should be comfortable with the fact that we, we, um, kind of assess, we all assess what God's heart and will looks like differently. Does that make sense? Yes. But there are absolute truths. Of course there are. Yeah. Well, we've talked about that before. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit with Angela yes. about how there's, there are absolute truths and then there's also a whole lot of gray. Yes. And so, Obviously, there's there's there, and and part of that is just continue to study and to learn, so we can learn what those absolute truths are, and then what those absolute truths aren't. So then we can look at others and ourselves and see where we're aligning with the absolute truths and where other things are okay for us to be different and to think differently on those things. Yeah. So, so we're talking about integration. How? Let's talk a little bit about how our body affects our mind and emotions. That's great. Um, I think for me, having like, I guess what would be a categorical mental illness of OCD, Mm -hmm. um, I notice that when I'm in periods of physical exhaustion or stress, it flares up. Yeah. So it's, I guess it's like my mind is trying to gain control maybe or because OCD is very much a disease of being controlling, mm-hmm. um, wanting things to be a certain way and, you it know, it's in the name. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're correct. Obsessive. <laughs> Obsessive. Yes. Um, yeah. But it's been really interesting to me because I think for a while when I first was like diagnosed and, you know, saw a psychiatrist and, you know, that just always makes you feel like you're a total nut job. Yeah. But, um, a lot of the people I was speaking to saw it purely as a mental thing. It was like, mm-hmm. your brain is misfiring. It was all about mm-hmm. your neuropathways and that's all true. Yes. But it, it was just kind of the attitude was like, sorry, bud, your brain screwed up. Here's yeah. some medicine. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and I'm still on medication. I need it. Like it is what medications it is. are. I'm mean, God created people to create medications. Right. Yes. Um, but I have noticed how much my body and taking care of myself and taking care of all of like my heart stuff also affects the OCD. Of course. And it was really interesting to me because the people I was seeing, like I've, I've had a Christian therapist for years, but you know, when it, when it really got bad, I switched to seeing like OCD specialists mm-hmm. and things like that. So I was seeing people like secular mental health people and you know, they were brilliant people, but I noticed that their whole focus was on your brain is broken. Basically like your brain screwed up, you're missing serotonin or whatever. So here's what you do. And I just, it's been really interesting to me through healing to see like how even physical exhaustion, emotional fears, like kind of disturbances in my spirit or wrong thinking about God were the things that led me to have this problem in the first place and are the things that keep it going. Yeah. So I think it's, um, you know, and that, that's kind of frustrating because it would be a lot easier if it was just like, take a pill, fix your brain. Wouldn't that be nice if everything was just take a pill? Yeah. And I think I believed that. And then I remember getting pissed. Sorry. I, darn it. I remember (laughs) feeling agitated. But I remember being mad and thinking, like, wait, like, I'm taking my Zoloft, and I'm going to therapy, and I still have to work out, and I still have to do these other things to keep, but but it is, it's all integrated, and you, you can't separate one part out, so it's interesting, like, we were talking a minute ago about separating the mind out from, like, your emotions, and, you know, but how they're all integrated, and I don't know, it's just, I've I've lived that to be true. Oh, for sure, I, I mean... Anybody who's um, had sleep deprivation, whether it's through torture or having babies, I which is also torture. Can be torture. <laughs> I, I, I can remember having young babies and looking at David, my husband, and saying, "Now I know why the military uses this for torture. Oh, yeah, sleep deprivation for torture because it truly." changes you as a person it makes you crazy it makes you crazy it legitimately makes you crazy so there is obviously a connection there um i mean when pain does that Mm -hmm. um you know i've i've had multiple surgeries including two of them being to have babies and then you know just any kind of pain i mean silly this week i've you know got some viral stuff going on and it's causing a bunch of pain and um and that is it, it has that has altered my feelings and that I'm emotionally not a nice person. And out of that, it gives negative thoughts. It's interesting. I, I read um, I read a bunch of work um, for a seminary paper I wrote, um, a lot of research, scientific research out there from Christians and non-Christians, the secular world and the religious world, where, um, you know, positive thinking mm-hmm. and positive attitudes improved patients. And then people who were negative and were not, um, and, and thought in a negative way about their pain 
did not improve the medically in the way that people who were positive were. There's hmm. a lot of research out there to support that. And, and so th- I, I think it, it is hard to miss that our, our body and our mind, which includes our intellect and our emotions, how those things aren't linked and how they don't affect each other. Cause they obviously affect each other. Yeah. Um, and just a little bit, you know, more about like my struggles, you know, just living in this idea that the emotions are the bad part of my mind. And so they need to go away and be put in this little box and just keep stuffing them in this little box. And then I'm just going to live out of practical reason and intellect and thinking like that's how I'm going to go about my life. The problem with that is those things don't connect you to other people. Mm. So the part, so there's our intellect and our reasoning and, and all of those things are wonderful and they're needed and they're an important part of our mind. But the other part of our mind, the emotions, the feelings, the beliefs, all of those things, that's the part that is in relationship with other people. Yeah. And so if you, that's how you connect to other people. And so for me, my struggle has always lived in is I've always struggled when I'm in that place where I'm just putting my feelings in a box and living out of the intellect part of my, my mind. I've struggled with vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I've struggled with intimacy. I've struggled with opening up and being raw and real in relationship. And this is something God's really worked on in me the past five or six years is just opening my eyes to that and seeing how I'm pushing that part of my mind into a box and not dealing with it. And that is really affecting my relationships with other people and it affects my ministry and everything else. So um, it is really a, a big part of my growth process in the past five years as God dealing that with me so that I can become um, more vulnerable, which is really the only way to be in relationship with people. Yeah, it's true. Two minds are, in re- I mean, minds are, two intellects are in relationship with the, each right. other. Two whole people are in relationship with each other. And I'm not just talking about marriage relationships. I'm talking yeah. about friendships and everything else. Well, and like putting your emotions in a box. Like I just get the picture of like the Jack in the box, like you're turning it and you have no idea when it's just going to pop up. And that's and, pretty like, much explode. what happens because right. eventually the box is only so big. Right. Right. And so that's what happens. And so I just, my emotional life has always been fits and spurts of that. So, so it's like, you'll go about and be sort of like, a duck like paddling under the yes. water but you look super calm on top and then yes. you just like what happens like, and then explode. and then the duck loses its head it it, it blows off the head yeah blows off the duck. <laughs> For the, if we want to continue the metaphor and then i'm a, a headless duck <laughs> a headless duck folks a headless duck who's still trying to swim and not deal with the fact that it doesn't have a head anymore maybe that's um, why he was named daffy duck he's he'd gone daffy um but <laughs> well so okay what have you done Well, so for me, I think it's, I've had to bring that before God and say, I don't know how to live out of the emotional side of me. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how to do that. So I've um, had to to figure out a lot of practices that cause me to be, um, to to deal with my feelings more. A lot of that's been journaling. Yeah, Um, yeah counseling mm-hmm. where you had your force you're, you're to paying, talk about it yeah. you're paying for them to draw it out of you so you don't have a choice and so you're forced to, to talk about it um and i've and interestingly enough i spent like a whole year in the psalms this is a little side note about me i've always hated the psalms and everybody uh-huh. loves the psalms That's no i don't like it even either, if honestly. even if you don't even if you don't read the Bible very often, you probably know some of the Psalms and you may have one printed on a pillow somewhere. So I, 
on the positive side, the, when I went and like did this in-depth study a couple years ago in the Psalms, I learned the emotional richness of mostly David in those and how he related to God emotionally. Hmm. Because God created our emotions and he wants us to relate to him with those, not just with our mind and not just with our heart. Like we're supposed to re relate to God with our feelings. We're supposed to be angry with him, we're supposed right. to be happy with him. We're supposed to be sad with him. We're supposed to mourn with him. We're supposed to grieve with him. We're supposed to be joyful with him. We're supposed to be grateful and thankful with him. Those are all emotional words. And yeah. we're supposed to be all those things with him. And so my study of that just really opens me up to more how I can talk to God in an emotional way because my um, prayers have always been very rote and yeah. factual uh -huh. and versus an emotional connection with him. And so being able to do that allowed me to be more open yeah. to my relationships with the people around me and start to see, wow, I really struggle with vulnerability and, and intimacy. And, and people that are close to me, asking them if they believe that's true. And when they said, uh, yeah, yeah. then them telling me, drawing me out yeah. and being like, why don't you really tell me what's going on? So having close friends doing that too is helpful. Yeah, definitely. So the Psalms are sort of like our, well, I wouldn't say they're our only emotional book, but they're, they're probably the most emotional, the most emotional book. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I may be wrong about this, but I think from what I've read, it seems like David will, go into like all of his feelings and then usually at the end he'll say something like but you're so good yeah but you're god is that true Does well most of it i would say most of them wrap up that way he can be i mean he can be calling down fire and brimstone on people because that's how angry he is at injustice or how he's being treated or how God's not answering his prayers or whatever it is. You see such deep raw emotion but then at the end he always returns but god i know you're good I know that you're in charge. I know you're all powerful. All of those things. There are a few psalms you have to go look back and look them up. There are some where he, some where he's just like angry, and it just like ends angrily. And I think sometimes we have those days where we just go to bed and we go to bed angry. Yes, even though we're not supposed to, we still no, do it. That's like my least favorite marriage advice. <laughs> it really is. Is I'm like sometimes like you can fight till three in the morning, and I'm sorry. But then then just you're in sleep deprivation mode, and then uh, uh, and then your his mercies are new every morning. <laughs> Um, but I guess like what I'm noticing when I'm hearing you talking, like David was comfortable enough with God yeah. to have all of those feelings yes. and he was comfortable enough in his love for him and God's love for David secure enough in that love to feel okay to be intimate and vulnerable with him. And, and I think that that's where my struggle had lied. So once I started to realize that I was struggling in this area in my relationships, then I realized that that was because I was struggling in my relationship with God in those things. Mm. So I could not be real and raw and intimate and vulnerable and in right relationship with the people around me unless I was that way with God. So I had to start practicing vulnerability with God, which I, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, yeah, I told God everything he knows. I he does know everything about us because he can, you know, read our hearts and our minds. He knows he made us. He knows all of these things. But yes, I I taught I talked to God and share everything with God. You know, whatever, however, I would have been my good Christian answer. But if once I really dug into it, I realized I was keeping a lot from God too. Hmm. So and then because of that, then I was keeping it from other people. Because until I get real and honest with God, I can't get real and honest with other people.
So do you think that's like a universal truth? I think so. How we are to God or how we relate to God is how we relate to others. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And how others have related to us. We also put that on, project that on God too. Oh yeah. So especially, you know, when you're a child, when you, when, when you don't know any, anything really truly about God, you're still learning about God. So your only picture of him is like people relating to your parents or whatever and the people around you. And then you start, then the rest of your life, you start projecting those things on God. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that's pretty common um, for a lot of people. And so it's the same way our relationship with God and our intimacy with God causes intimacy or lack thereof with people around us. Yeah. And I guess a lot of the times getting comfortable with our mind and emotions is that slinky. It's just kind of going through it and over and over and realizing this is what happens when I do follow my own will and look at how my life is when I follow God's will. And you just have to sometimes see the difference over and over before you'll kind of finally decide. It's interesting because, you know, in in Romans, um, Paul talks about how, you know, one of his big commands for the Christian church was being transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, a lot of most people who are in church know that that verse um, in Romans five or actually Romans 12, um, that that's, you know, the first part of that was we talked about a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about the spiritual act of worship is giving your body as a uh-huh. sacrifice. Well, the next part of that is we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds right there. Paul's talking about integration because he talked about the body and then he talked about the mind, oh. but we're, and, and if we're talking, if we're going to say that the mind includes the conscious and the subconscious, then, then all of that, our emotions, feelings, and our intellect and reasoning, all of those need to be transformed, but the transforming transformed is in the past tense, but renewing is in the um, present active tense where it's a constant process. We don't just like renew our mind one time and then it's renewed. Right. But when we become a Christian, all of a sudden our mind's renewed and it's perfect. It's not like it's a process of constantly where like we were talking about taking our thoughts captive, praying, um, spending time with him, all of those things, being in community and being in relationship with other people, all of those things are how we transform our minds. So why is the transformed in the past tense? Do you know in that verse? Um, well, because I mean, you know, there's the other scripture passages about how we're a new creation. Oh, okay. So we've been transformed, but we're also in the process of transformation. Uh-huh. So it's an it's a here and not yet kind of process. Uh-huh. So we are transformed. We get a new heart. We are new people. We are being we are transformed into the likeness of Christ. We're a new creation. All of those words are the same words actually in Greek for a butterfly metamorphosis. So like the the process that the butterfly goes through is the same one. Um, it's it, he uses that as a metaphor for um, huh. for the Christian. Yeah. And so so you, there is a process. Uh, there's a transformation that happens. I mean, the the caterpillar becomes a butterfly, but it also grows as a butterfly. Right. You know, it doesn't say a small butterfly becomes a big butterfly if you want to continue to leave the metaphor, keep the metaphor going. But so there's a point of transformation and then there's a process of renewing and living out Mm. of that transformation. Does that make sense? Yes. So we're increasingly becoming who we recruit, our new creation is. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, it's like he sees us as, doesn't, I mean, God sees us as, what he created us to be able to yes. like our ultimate redeemed self. self yes yes so but our job is to continually live into that yes day by day by day it's not a one and done and what is it about our minds that keeps us from doing that you think 
Because, I mean, isn't that, like, I get stuck all the time. I just don't want to move forward a lot. Like, I feel like, no, I'm over here. But really, I'm being called to live into this reality. And I think a lot of us feel this way. Like, yeah. we see, I'm a daughter of the king. And all these scriptures are like, yeah. yeah. And then we go into our day, and it's like, it all just falls away. Well, and we're I mean, suddenly in eighth grade, and everyone's not talking to us at a school dance. And, like, <laughs> or whatever it is. Like, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously, we still live with sin in us. So, I mean, sin's not completely dead. It won't be until Christ comes back. Um, so sin's not dead. Um, so we were constant battle with that about who we are and who we once were. Mm-hmm. We're constantly going in between those things. And Paul talks a lot about that in Romans. Um, and so it's, so partially it's that and partially is we're lazy and it's hard work. Yeah, it is hard work. We want time. we want the we want the end goal, but we don't want the, the the means to the end goal. We don't want the process. Yeah, we're not very process oriented people. Mm-hmm. Um, we like we like to, especially in our culture um, now, when things happen so quickly and so fastly and can be so easily obtainable. The fact that this is going to take our whole lives, I think, is hard for us. Oh, yeah. and it makes us want to give up sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus tells us that he, he gave us this new life so that we could live it abundantly. Well, what does it mean to live abundantly? It's whole and balanced and it's work. Yeah. And work is good. Work is good. There's a really great book I read and we'll link this in the show notes. But um, if you struggle with the idea of work, just because I think our culture, it's like seen as like, oh, they don't have to work anymore. You know, it's like the work was actually a good thing. And God gave Adam and Eve work before the fall, even right. Like it was it was part of how we're supposed to be. And I can't remember the writer, but it's called Glory in the Ordinary. And it's a whole deep dive into just like and she writes from the perspective of being a stay at home mom, but you certainly don't have to be one to read it because there's a lot of good stuff in it. I think I know you're talking about. We'll look it up. Yeah, we'll link to that. But if you if you struggle with like the idea of work or you like feel like you're kind of lazy or resistant, you should read this book. It's very good. Um anyway, but yeah, I think um yeah, that was all really good. And I'm excited, though, because, again, as we said kind of in episode two, like, it's really good to talk about this stuff and process it out loud. But it's yeah. really great to have somebody come in who For sure. this is their job and they have training and are wise to all of it. So we're thrilled to have Sarah come on and she's yeah. going to go into just some more questions, kind of more um, more practical questions yeah. of maybe like things we can try or ways of integrating. So we're excited to have her on. Um yeah. But yeah, until next week, I hope you're enjoying so far and please reach out on social media um, with any, seriously, let us know about the Enneagram thing. We want to know. Yeah. I mean, because I could talk to you until for eons about the Enneagram because I love the Enneagram, but I don't want everybody who's doing the Enneagram. So I want you as the listener. And if that would be of service to you, we would love to talk about it. And if you're bored with it, then Then just, yeah, be like, we don't. Okay. Please tell us. Yeah, we want to know. Um, So it's good. And please engage. Let us know if there's topics you want to hear about and all of that stuff. We're kind of, um, we're thinking about our next series. So we would like to get some feedback on what you guys are interested in hearing about. So all that to say, thanks for listening. And we hope you have a wonderful week. For sure. And you can find us on Instagram. Yes. um, At. And if you don't talk to us on Instagram, which is <laughs> or follow our insane post or whatever, then you can also email us at fully woven at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. So, so until then, uh, have a wonderful week and 
be in your mind, but not of your mind. <laughs>